This program is brought to you by Bible Way Media, a work of the Ulaga Church of Christ. This morning in Judges chapter 17, let me turn there with me. We want to look at an idea that no doubt is still a very troublesome problem. As we continue our series, you know, our challenge series on what does the Bible say, looking this morning is what does the Bible say about authority? What does the Bible say about authority? In Judges chapter 17, and looking at verse 6, the Bible says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And we see still so much of that still today going on, not only in life in general, but also in our worship services as well. We all understand there is a need for authority. We must have authority to do the things we do in worship. You know, when we were growing up as children, we had to have the permission or authority of our parents to do what we wanted to do. You had, you had to have permission at my house to go outside and go play with your friends because you had, there were certain things you had to do before. You had to do your chores, you had to do this, you had to do that before you were allowed to go do anything else. And authority is certainly found in the Word of God today still. Without authority, there will be chaos and confusion. Despite what some people do today, there is a pattern and there is authority within the Word of God. And besides that, and without that, we still see those today still have a lot of confusion, a lot of things going on within their worship services that are indeed very chaotic. And they are not done, as the Bible says, decently and in order. This was the case during a period of Israel's history in Judges 17, verse 6 where they had no king, and they did whatever they desired, as the Bible says, in his own eyes. They did whatever they desired. When it comes to the worship and the praise given to God, and how we conduct ourselves in the house of God, how we should live our daily lives, we must go through the word of God and see for the authority of the things we do in the worship service and even outside of the worship service. Should authority come from ourselves should authority come from what we decide is right turn with me to if you will to the book of isaiah chapter 55 in isaiah 55 looking with me at verses 8 and 9 isaiah 55 looking at verses 8 and 9 the bible says my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways says the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. means what God desires for us, what he commands of us, is much higher than our own way. We see in verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Just because we believe or we feel in our hearts that something is right, doesn't mean it's right. Just because we feel that this would be great to do in worship because I feel like I enjoy those things more, doesn't make it right. We see in Isaiah 55 and verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Meaning, when we think about worship, I want you to ask yourself today, as you look around at the various groups, and even within the Church of Christ, our worship service should tell us and tell God what is most important to us and who it's all about. When we come to the church, to the Lord's church, we come to worship services, with the attitude of, what can this do for me? Then, friends, we have the wrong attitude. When we have the attitude of me in our worship services, me when we give praise to God, then we need to open our eyes. Our worship and praise to God, it's not about what we desire, 
It's not about what we feel in our hearts. It's about what is pleasing in the eyes of God. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, that's what God is talking about. He says, my ways, my thoughts are not the same as yours. You know, men today desire sometimes very desperately to have their ideas viewed as the same ideas of God. And we hear that phrases like, well, I don't think, I don't see anything wrong with it, so what would God see wrong with it? You know, this is how I've always done things, so I don't see anything wrong with it. This is how we've always praised, this is how we've always done things, so what is wrong with it? Well, friends, if there is no authority for what we are doing, then what we are doing should be abandoned. How we worship and praise God should be according to the authority, the commands, the teachings found within His Word. A person who challenges his or her own wisdom against God is indeed a fool. When we begin to think that we know what worship should be like, we begin to think we know what our praise to God should sound like, then we have gone way too far. And when we begin to put in things in our worship service that are not found in the Word of God, that's what we're doing. We're going beyond the command of God, beyond the wisdom of God, saying, yes, I see what the Bible says, but this is what I want. This is what I want to do. If we exalt ourselves, we will be brought down to nothing. In Matthew chapter 23, in Matthew chapter 23, and look with me at verse 11. The Bible says, But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, I have not been a member of the Lord's Church all my life. But whenever I looked at how the Lord's Church worship, I thought that is a selfless worship because they don't see anything in that type of worship that is all about what they desire. What you see when you look upon the Lord's Church is men and women who do what? Are giving praise to God as He sees fit. Now I want you to ask yourself this morning, as we're looking out into the world, not at any particular group, but just look out into the world and see what the world says about how you should conduct yourself in the house of God. You know, our brother on Thursday said in a very energetic way about some of the very same things we're talking about this morning. If it's not according to how God desires, then friends, it's not the right thing to be doing. We see in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, that he, who whoever exalts himself, will be humble. You know, to be humbled by God is not going to be a pleasant experience. To be humbled by God means you're going to be brought down very, very low. And how much more would we like to be exalted instead of humbled? If we remain low and humble in our minds, then God will be the one to exalt him. And if God exalts us, then it's much better than man could ever do for us. Humility is one of the most basic principles of the Christian life. We must be humble in our lives, in the way we worship and praise God. If we're humble when we worship and praise God, we don't think about what we desire, what we would like, or what we would like to hear or see or do. But we worry about what God wants to have done in His worship. Our feelings do not constitute or do not mean it's a fact. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. In Genesis chapter 37, we look at the case of Jacob and Joseph. In Genesis chapter 37, and look at verse 28 through verse 33, we see that Jacob said that he was, without a doubt, sure that Joseph was dead. He was sure that Joseph was dead. Why? We saw the bloody 
tunic. He heard his mother's, his sons, other sons saying that Joseph was dead. He knew he felt that Joseph was dead. Yet he didn't see Joseph's body. He saw what was supposed to be Joseph's blood, what was actually animal's blood on his tunic. But he was sure that Joseph was dead. But he was wrong, wasn't he? Today we can be sure of certain things with our feelings, but we can be surely or sincerely wrong if we're not careful. Jacob lived a good portion of his life believing a lie. You see in Genesis 45, verse 28, it took a long time for him to realize that Joseph was still alive. But he thought for a long time that he was dead. He's dead because look what they brought to me. His tunic, my other, my other son to bring these things to me, he has to be dead. He was sincerely mistaken, wasn't he? If you read what happened, Joseph takes care of his father and his other brothers after they had gone against him. What does Jacob do that happens still today? We are convinced of something in our minds, even though that is not the case. Paul did what he believed was right also in Acts chapter 7, verse 59 through about chapter 8, verse 3. And again, chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. What did Paul do or saw before he became Paul, before he was baptized and became a believer in Christ? Where he met Christ in the road, he persecuted the church because he believed that was right. He believed that it was right to take those, as he said, who were of the way, that is, Christians, to take them. In fact, he didn't go to the kings and get permission to take men, take women, take children, and drag them out of their homes and take them and to kill them because they believe Christ. And he believes sincerely that that was the right thing to do. But Paul was mistaken, wasn't he? When he met Christ on the road, he realized in a very figurative way, a very physical way, that he was indeed mistaken in what he had been doing. Paul discovered in Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 6, that he was living in error. As he met Christ in the road, what did Christ tell him? He says, this is Christ who you have been persecuted. And it's hard to deny me when I'm right here talking when I'm supposed to be dead, Paul. It's hard to kick against the gold. It's hard to deny Christ when he's talking to you when he's supposed to be in a grave, in a tomb. What was Paul learning at that moment? That he was sincerely mistaken. Paul did something that sometimes people today will not do. He saw the glaring mistake that he was doing, the glaring simple lifestyle he was in, and he changed what he was doing. He saw by God, by Christ talking him on the road, that he was wrong, and he changed his ways and became a follower of Christ. And he became one of the most powerful speakers we have of Christ because he realized he was sincerely mistaken. We all make mistakes, don't we? In Romans 3, verse 23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We cannot find authority from ourselves because we do make mistakes. We do make issues, or we do make problems for ourselves because we believe in our own feelings. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 10. In Jeremiah chapter 10, and look with me at verse 23 and following. In Jeremiah chapter 10, looking at verse 23, the Bible says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. You hear that? 
The way of man is not in himself. He's saying, God, I know I cannot get to heaven on my own. I cannot worship you, be pleasing you by doing things my own way. Verse 23 goes on to say, I know the way of man is not in himself, it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. He goes on to say in verse 24, O Lord, correct me, but with justice, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. He says, God, in verse 23, I know I can't be right in your son, but I do things my own way. And he says in verse 24, correct me. Correct me and do what? Save his soul. Correct me. Should authority come from others? Satan knew he was deceiving in Genesis chapter 2 when he was slipping in one simple word. If you eat the fruit of this tree, you shall not surely die. Add in one word and change the entire meaning of God's command. Satan's goal was to separate man from God. His goal remains exactly the same today. He wants us to be apart from God. You know the biggest command within Satan's mind to tell us today, to board our own minds today, is he wants us to believe the lie that you can do whatever you desire and be right inside of God. You know, God, I believe Satan doesn't want us not to believe in God so much, but he wants us to believe a lie about God. You know, it's easier for someone to believe in God, but don't act on it as they should, or don't obey him as they should. You know, Satan, I believe, will tell you, believe in God, but do whatever you want as you believe in God. Because, you know, we have groups of atheists, but we have larger groups of people who claim to be Christians who are not doing according to God's word, and they will still be lost just like the atheists. So what does Satan want us to do? Do whatever you desire. Even in your church buildings, do whatever you desire. Because when you do what you desire, even in worship to God, you're still in sin. And we will still be separated from God. So what must we do? We must put God first and do what He desires and not what we desire. Jacob deceived his father and stole his mother's birthright in Genesis 27, verses 18 through 35. Jacob was a great man, but he was not right in deceiving his brother. Now we believe our bishops or our preachers, and I encourage everyone this morning, I'm sure you've heard me say before, to open your Bibles. Don't believe what I'm saying just verbatim. Take out your Bibles and open them up. Read what the Bible says and decide for yourself, do we want to follow the Word of God? Or do we want to follow the teachings of some man? Some sincerely are wrong. Just as Paul was wrong in Acts, you know, he was very sincere in his acts, trying to do what he thought was right, but he was sincerely wrong. The Jews was, were sincerely wrong in Romans 10 verses 1 through 3 in their acts and their devout practices, how they seemed to love the law of Moses more than God. In fact, they were so sincerely wrong, they were telling people, unless you were circumcised, you would not be with God in heaven. Why does Paul talk about grace and belief in God so much in Romans? Because those in the book of Romans were trying to tell people you had to be circumcised to have salvation. In the book of James, it's exactly the flip-flop. People were saying, all you need is faith. And James saying, no, you need works too. What is the Word of God telling us today? We cannot trust others with our faith, with our salvation. I cannot get you to the gates of heaven. 
None of us men or women can get you the gates of heaven. No bishop, no pope, no priest can get you the gates of heaven. Only you and your own discerning can get you the gates of heaven. So the word of God, we decide if we want to follow him or we want to go our own way. We must follow God. It is wrong to obey people instead of God. In Acts chapter 5, in Acts chapter 5, and look with me at verse 27 and following. In Acts chapter 5, and look at verse 27. The Bible says, And when they had brought them, when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the highest high priest and asked, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with, with your doctrine, and, in, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We also be God rather than men. If we are commended by our government, and who knows, we have to be too far away, to keep silent about the word of God, well, who do we obey? Well, the government doesn't have control over the Bible, even though as much as they try. So if the government tries to silence us about the word of God, what must we do by God's command? Do it anyway. Because in the word of God, we don't find just encouragement. We find the hope for eternal life. The message must go out no matter who tries to stop us. The message must go out. We look at verse 28. They say, Do we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? Do we not tell you to keep your mouth shut about Christ? And what do they say in verse 29? Be able to make God within the men. And we talked about last Sunday about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how Nebuchadnezzar getting the command to worship this idol. And they say, we don't have to answer. You're not the one we answer to, king. We answer to God. And that's what they're saying here in Acts. It's not you we have to answer to, your high priest or your councils. We answer to God because if we keep silent and follow your commands, we sin against God and we are at risk of losing our own souls. So what we do, we obey God rather than man. In verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now I want you to notice, what do they do there? They preach to them few verses, but they preach them. They tell you, you know what? We're not going to just keep keep teaching. I'm going to teach you right here in your face. And what happens in verse 33? When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. But they ought to obey God rather than men. We cannot take the words of men above God. We have numerous, numerous occasions of that. I want you to ask yourself this morning, if you are not a man of the Lord's church, I want you to ask yourself, or if you are a man of the Lord's church, how many times have you heard something like a sinner's prayer being discussed? And the reason we bring this up, not because we want to pick or be mean, be hateful, is because it's something that's very big and taught very broadly. But I want you, I challenge you, find for me the sinner's prayer in the Word of God. Because if you find it, I want to see it. 
God wants to see it. He wants to see where he said it. He wants to see where he commands someone to say those things. The reason, again, we say these things is not to be hateful or to be mean or to bash any group. But you simply want to know, are you following the word of God? Because that's what God wants to know. Are you following his word? People like preachers who preach what they want to hear are those individuals who we should not trust. There are those preachers who will tell you whatever you want to hear. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I want you to notice with me verses 2 and 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, notice with me verse 2 and following. He says, preach the word, which means the inspired word of God. You preach this, and by him saying that, it excludes everything else. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort thought, long-suffering, and teaching. You notice in verse 4, he says, be ready in season, out of season. I mean, when people want to hear it, you preach. When they don't want to hear it, you still preach and teach it. Now, I'm sure those of you here Thursday know that our dear brother made some people very upset. But you know what? In season and out of season. When we want to hear it, when it's easy to preach and teach, and when it's not, you still do the same thing. Verse 4, he goes on to say, or verse 2 rather, convince, rebuke, exhort, thought, long-suffering teaching. What does the Word of God do? It teaches, it corrects, it builds up, and it does what? Encourages us to be faithful to God. In verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Sound doctrine means sound teaching. So what is he saying there? The time will come when the people will not endure, that is, tolerate or hear or listen to sound teaching. What about today? The people want to hear sound teaching? Now, the Church of the Christ, we have many congregations throughout the U.S., throughout the world. But when you compare our numbers to others, we don't have just a whole lot of members, do we? We look at verse 3, the Bible says, For they will not endure sound doctrine. They will endure or listen to sound doctrine or sound teaching. But according, now notice, according to their own desires, they will heap up for themselves teachers because they have, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn the ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. Fables are like those things you hear about, like, you know, the tooth fairy, you know, Santa Claus. We hear all kinds of little fables and stories growing up, but we know as we grow, those things aren't true. We see here in verse 3 and 4, what is he saying? These people, because of their own, now notice, because of their own desires, because it's more comfortable, because it's more easily accepted by others, they'll find teachers. When he says heap up teachers, they'll find them, they'll seek them out. Who will teach this? He'll do what? Because they're reaching ears of heap up teachers, and they'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Fables will not get you to the gates of heaven, will it? Only the truth of God's word will get you to the gates of heaven. Regardless of what 
regardless of what happens, we must preach the truth when it's popular and when it's not. Because a time will come and people will, will not endure or listen or obey to sound doctrine or sound teaching. Should spiritual authority or should authority come from God? That sounds like a pretty easy question, doesn't it? He is the source of all truth. In Psalm 119, in Psalm 119 and 160, Psalm 119, verse 160. The verse I mentioned before, actually last week, in Psalm 119, 160, the Bible says, The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Forever. Now I want you to ask yourself this morning, if God is the source of truth, as we know He is, and the Bible says the entirety of your word, which means all of your word, is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. It means God's truth, His word is truth, and it lasts for all eternity. That means that nothing has changed that God has said. So what must have changed in the course of time? Men's ideals. Men must have changed, as we saw in 2 Timothy, their ideas about the Word of God. Begun to turn and twist those things until it gets where they are able to accept those things. Truth equals God, God's Word. John 17, looking at verse 17. John 17, looking at verse 17. Christ says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now notice, sanctify them. That means cleanse them, purify them, make them right in your sight by what? By your word. Your word is truth. How are we saved from our sins? Obeying the message that comes from God's word, which is truth. It is shameful that some will not agree with this verse. They may not say it outright, but by their actions and by many of their own teachings will not agree with this verse. How are we sanctified by the Word of God? The Word of God, we read it, we hear it, and what does it do? It pierces our hearts. In Acts 2, verse 38, what happened to those men? The Word of God cut to their heart. And they said, what do we need to do? God cannot lie. In Titus chapter 1, in Titus chapter 1, and looking with me at verse 2. Now notice what he says here, Paul speaking, he says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God cannot lie. Means it's impossible it's not, you can't even begin to imagine how can God lie if he's the author of truth, he is the source of truth. Well, he can't do it. It's not possible because he is what? Righteous, holy, blameless, and we go on and on. He cannot lie. So if God tells us we need to do certain things, then he can't be lying, can he? He can't be contradicting other phrases or other verses in the Bible because then he would be lying. So if God cannot lie, then where do we find truth? Where do we find salvation? From God's Word. Where do we find authority? From God's Word. 
it is impossible for God to lie. His word will stand the test of time. In Matthew 24, Matthew 24, and looking at verse 35, Christ says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words by no means pass away. God's word has endured throughout all time. There are all the men who desire to destroy it. There are all the kings who desire to burn it. There are all the leaders who desire to have it destroyed, and it still endures till this day. It cannot be destroyed. Now I want you to think about this and follow me. God is truth. God cannot lie. God's word endures forever. If all those things are true, as the Bible says they are, then where do we find authority? From a God who does not lie, from a God who is true, from a God whose word endures for all mankind throughout the ages. It means God's authority has been present for those in the past, for us today, and for those in the future. How do we know how to worship and praise God? How do we know what to do to be righteous in God's sight? From his word that endures for all time. From his word and from nowhere else. In John chapter 12, as we begin to close this morning, in John chapter 12, and look with me at verse 48. I want you to notice very carefully what Christ says here. Again, when we read the word of God, we need to be careful what we're reading. In John 12, verse 48, notice the words of Christ. He who rejects me does not receive my words. Has that which judges him, the word that I have spoken, will judge him in the last day. On that great day of judgment, when we were judged according to his Bible says from God's word, what will our answer be when Christ, who is the judge, asks us, why would you do things this way? Because if our answer is anything but, well, that's what your word says, if we cannot answer that way truthfully, we're going to find ourselves in a very scary spot, won't we? Now, on the day of judgment, it's sad that so many people today will still say, well, I believe the grace of God will cover those things, whatever mistakes I've made. The new hermeneutic, which means a new way to interpret God's word, is that you interpret things according basically to your own feelings. And in the end, if you're wrong, well, okay, that's okay. God's grace will cover that. And that's written down. That's not just paraphrasing. That's what's written down, their new law of how to interpret God's word. If you, in the end, if you're wrong, God will cover all that. John 12, 48 says, If you reject my words, then in the end you will be judged according to my words in the last day. You know, the grace, we talked about this before, it's extended to those who are obedient to God. It's not for those who are outside the body of Christ. It's for those who are inside the body of Christ. So if we are going against God and disobeying God, we're going to stand before God on the day of judgment and say, well, I thought your grace would cover this if I made a mistake. You know, he's going to ask the same question as he did back in the Bible as he does to us today. Have you not read? Have you not heard? This we saw in John this morning with Nicodemus. Are you one of the teachers of Israel and you don't know this? The word of God is very plain how we are to work praise him, how we find authority for his word. As we close this morning, 
I want you to notice with me as we continue reading in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12 and verse 49, the Bible says, For I have not spoken, here Christ speaking, For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. Christ even had a certain authority. He couldn't say just whatever he wanted. He can go out and say, yeah, you're forgiven. He had to have authority approval from God himself before he could do anything. He says in verse 49, For I have not spoken on my own, own authority. It means I haven't said what I just wanted to say. He says in verse 49, But the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should, what I should say and what I should speak. By God's authority, Christ spoke those things. The same applies for us today. If God has given authority, then we have authority. If God has not given a direct authority, that is direct command, or an example of someone doing such, then we do not have authority to do those things. A direct command, an example of someone doing such being approved, or someone else talking about someone doing those things and being approved. If there's no example of someone doing anything in the Bible that we want to do, and being approved of, it's really very simple. Then don't do it. You know, it's mind-boggling to me that people today will risk their eternal soul for something as simple as a piano. Or something as simple as, you know, a prayer that makes them feel better, thinking that someone who they love is saved. The Word of God tells us, by authority, how to worship, how to praise, and how to have eternal life. We want to have authority and follow the authority of the Bible. We must go to where authority is found in His Word. This morning, you've heard a portion of God's Word. If we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He died on the cross for our sins. We will repent of our sins, confess Him, be immersed in baptism. This is what we talked about this morning, the new birth. Put Him on in baptism and then remain faithful to Him for all eternity until Christ returns, we can have eternal life. If we are Christians, we know that we do do and say things to go against God's Word because we are human. We make mistakes. But if you have sin in your life, you can come forward now and ask for the prayers of the church or bring forth your concerns. That's going to be stand and sing to encourage you. We hope you enjoyed this program. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, or Podbean. Thanks for listening.